Welcome, you're listening to the Agile Unemployment Podcast, where in each episode, we take an in-depth look at being out of work. We'll talk about the programs and benefits available to you. We'll talk about the job hunting process itself. And most importantly, we're going to address the psychological and emotional impact that being out of work has on the individual. I'm your host, Sabina Sulat. I'm an HR expert and author. A few years ago, I lost my dream job and found myself unemployed for the first time in my life. I was frustrated by the lack of resources and information available to people out of work, but more than that, I was just stunned by the fact that we don't talk about unemployment. I took my experience and I turned it into a book and I now coach people to build resilience while they're out of work. If you are out of work, if you recently lost your job, or maybe you've been unemployed for a while, or maybe you're just afraid that you might lose your current job, this is the place to be. We're a safe place where we can talk about all aspects of being out of work. We can answer your questions and we can help you build resilience so that when you go back to work, you are stronger and more confident than ever. So let's get started. Hey everybody, it's Sabina. Thanks for joining me today on Agile Unemployment. I want to start off like I always want to start off with some success stories, have a couple of good ones. And I want to really preface this with the fact that success is not necessarily defined by that happily ever after of getting a job. It can be movement on your job search, on ending your unemployment, or really anything to do with work. You decide what success is. My first one, I've been working with a client for a little while. They have been out of work of their own choice. They're now ready to go back to working. They're trying a new field. They recognize that they're going to have to do a little learning. They're going to have to come in at maybe a lower level than they would like, but it's a whole new career. It's a whole new field. A little apprehensive about what they might face, any challenges in getting a job. There's an organization in their city that they really like. There's a job for them that they pinpointed a job there that think they think really will work for them. As it happens, they volunteer mentioned to a member of the group that I want to work for this organization. I found this job for me. A person in the group said, oh, I know someone there. Long story short, they're now in the queue for an interview. And they came back to me and they said, it was so easy. I just mentioned to this person I know that I wanted a job there and they knew someone. The next thing I know, I had a call. And I keep telling you, there's a power to networking that you need to tap into. Seriously, it it can change your life. So the second success story, someone who wasn't looking for a job, they came to me for coaching and I asked what I always ask, what's our objective here? What's the end game? What are we working towards? And they said, you know, I don't want to leave my organization. I don't want to leave my job. I just don't feel comfortable in it. I'm not sure it's for me. I'm not sure I actually am good at it, which was kind of funny because they were heavily recruited. They're doing a great job, great performance evaluations and so forth. And recently in a session, they said to me, I feel so much more confident at work. I I speak up in meetings. People are listening to me. I'm getting buy-in for things that I want to do. I just feel really good. And that's success. Sometimes all it is is this paradigm shift, a few behavior changes, you decide what's success for you. Let's jump into today 
and as I'm recording this, we're winding down the holiday weekend. And holidays are, they're tricky if you're out of work. And here's why. There's this odd sense of comfort because everybody else is off, or most people are. Uh, they're home, you see them. It's almost an equalizer. But then everybody goes back to work in one way, shape, or form, and you don't. And there's that's the downside. I was thinking this weekend, what am I going to talk about in the podcast? I spent my weekend working for a little bit, and then I did catch up with some friends. Sunday, I went out to brunch with a friend who I met at work, and we were talking about the fact that we saw, we didn't really talk about my former workplace. She's still there, but we talked about the fact that we're at this whole new level now where we're friends, not just colleagues, and we're together because we want to be. And it struck me that friendship, what we do for each other, how we support each other is so important, especially when you're out of work. So what I want to talk about today, I want to talk about your friendships while you're out of work. And then I want to talk about, actually, I want to talk to that little sliver of the audience of people who want to support somebody who is unemployed and they might not know what to do. And part of this talk came from when I was working on the book. I had a friend of mine do a read edit for me, and he sent it back saying, I'm really glad you had me read this because the whole time you were out of work, I had no idea what to do for you. Didn't have a clue. And I thought that was funny because this person was incredibly supportive. They were quite the rock for me while I was out of work, and I their friendship just I think became even stronger as a result of this and to hear that they didn't know what to do. First of all, it made me think, oh, I guess they haven't dealt with a lot of people out of work, but then I realized I really didn't talk about it either. Here we go. Friendships and the importance of relationships while out of work. When you are out of work, I'll, I'll always say this because I don't think you can say it enough, you lose this sense of self, sense of identity. We look to our workplaces to tie into their values, their mission, their vision. Hopefully we get to choose a workplace that aligns with us. But work is now this social outlet, even in COVID at its height. Work was always looking for a place to engage their workers. I had a friend message me at the height of COVID you know, if I have to attend one more virtual happy hour, I'm going to go insane. Workplaces do their best. They want engaged employees because engaged employees work better and they stay. We look to work as we meet friends there. We have colleagues there. We share ideas. It feeds us, shelters us. It pays for all of those things, our health care. And when you lose your job, bundled in with all those feelings of questioning yourself, shame, guilt, apprehension, fear, anxiety, there's also this identity loss because you identify with the company, you identify with what you do, and you are no longer doing what you do where you used to do it. But this tiny little portion of that is that a lot of times you lose colleagues. You lose people who you used to see every day who inquired about your health and your well-being. And maybe you had deeper relationships. Often when we lose a job, we lose those colleagues. Even if we were friends out of work, uh, people stop talking to you. They stop texting you. They stop emailing you. I have experienced this. It hurts rub salt in the wound, definitely. When you are out of work, 
Having a support system is essential to your well-being, to your resilience. You kind of make peace with losing the work colleagues, the work friends, because you kind of understand it. Some workplaces are really strict. You know, you you sign that disclaimer, you're not going to share work secrets, and people interpret that, that it means they shouldn't talk to someone who has left, even if it's of their own volition. You have that kind of hole there in your heart of missing that friendship. So the other friends become even more important. But again, you still have that, all those feelings of do I really matter? Was I good at my job? A little bit of shame that it's happened to you, things like that. Your friends become very important to you. When I was out of work, I counted on my friends for so many things to get me out of the house, to just make sure I got up in the morning, to give me leads, to help me network, all those things. And I was out of work for a year. It seemed like an eternity. It was a long time. The average out-of-work period is six months, but it can, it can stretch. I've known people who've been out of work for several years. I will tell you something that happens. Any kind of crisis, any kind of tragedy often serves to define who's really your friend, who's your ride-or-die friend. It's good and bad. You find out who you can really count on, but you still feel that loss when someone drifts away. My experience was that it was at about the six-month mark. That's when I started to see people drift away. They started to uh, not return text, emails. You'd reach out and say, hey, you want to get together? It'd be like, oh yeah, work's really busy. Family's really busy. I'll have to get back to you until you eventually got the hint of, yeah, you're not gonna get back to me. All kinds of feelings come in to play. You feel angry, hurt. You, you just want to know, like, what did I do? Because you were still my friend when I was out of work. When you found out I lost my job, you were wonderful. And now suddenly, we're not talking, and I don't know why. And you may never know. And I think part of Moving on when you lose one of those relationships is to, first of all, realize it's not really about you. And I really mean that. It's you, you probably haven't done anything different than you've been doing for six months. You also don't know what's going on in the other person's life. So let's give people credit. Maybe they're overwhelmed by other things. They don't want to burden you. Or maybe it is too much to also deal with a friend who's got a lot going on. Only you can decide if that's a, you only want friends who are there when you need them instead of when they might need you. That's a hard call. It really is. I found that the other six months of my being out of work, I didn't really lose anybody. It just seemed at that one kind of midpoint. And it worked out in different ways. There were a couple people who never heard from again. And sometimes that happens with friendships. We just feel it more when we are in need. I had two friends who a little missing. One of them called me up right as I was pretty much going back to working and invited me for brunch. I will say this, I think it's kind of lucky that she picked a public place because I was I was hurt, I was angry, and I was going to let her have it. First thing she said was, first of all, you know, I'm sorry. And I know this doesn't matter, but this is what was going on. She was having trouble in her own work life. And it made sense. Understood, it still hurt. And we agreed. We still thought there was enough in the friendship to move forward. I did tell her 
I'm not going to be able to just reach out to you for a while. I need to trust you again. I appreciated that she had taken the accountability and had reached out to me. She said she understood and she was true to her word. We are still friends. That was a couple of years ago. I very much appreciated that we could have that candid conversation. Another friend I found out had a serious family problem, did not want to burden me with it, but had to put all of her efforts into her family. I've never had the conversation with her that it hurt that she never, she didn't tell me at the time. We just have moved forward after a little bit of time apart. I think we're both kind of rebuilding that. That's what you have to do with these relationships. You have to decide if you are giving as much as you're getting, if it's worth the effort to you. The thing about friendship, and we all know this saying, like you can't choose your family, but you can choose your friends. But you also have to understand your friends have to choose you as well. And sometimes it gets to be a lot. Other times it isn't, and it's a give and take. I know in some ways this is not very satisfying. All I can tell you, and it probably won't sink in, is that it's probably not you, and it's probably not that you're unemployed. It is just that people have lives. So what do you do when maybe your friendship group isn't that strong or isn't that close to you? Mine is not. Most of my friends live a little ways away from me. Uh, that makes it a little more challenging, a little harder to get together. How do you find this group? How do you find people to support you? There are places. My state, I've said this before, Maryland, does a really good job with unemployment support. And it's not just resumes and elevator speeches. One of the things they do is have kind of gatherings online. I don't know if they have any in person right now. There are different speaker series. There's different networking events. I have taken part in them. Unemployment's a great equalizer. I have sat in groups with executives and teachers and nurses and people who've worked fast food, baristas. And the one thing we all had in common was being out of work and wanting to gain more support. When you're out of work, there is never too much support. Look into an organization like that. If there isn't one by your state, your county, whatever, then start building your own on LinkedIn that go open to work. You can find lots of people in your field, in your area, start a coffee, start a walk in the park with everybody, start a movement, but you need that support. Bolster you on, to bounce ideas off of, to share. They might not be able to help, but they should be able to at least let you know it's not just you, you're not the only one, and that does help. So there you have it, finding help while you're out of work. So we've talked on the topic of, as someone who's out of work, what do you do to build that friendship group, that support group you need so much? Let's go to the original question that my friend asked me after he edited my book and said, you know, I didn't know what to do for you. So what can you do for someone who is out of work? People who are out of work, sometimes we get it. We know we're not a joy to be around. We know it's a, it's kind of a downer. It's difficult because you're our friend. You love us. You support us. But in a lot of ways, you're helpless. You There's really no way to help us because you can't give us the one thing that we need, a job. Sometimes you can, and we're very grateful, but most of us are not in that position. What do you do? Well, 
Let's talk about the needs of someone out of work, support, that reassurance. It never quite fills that hole in the heart left when you are dismissed from your job, but it does help to know that someone cares about us and doesn't see us any differently. I want to mention a topic that I think will be a bigger podcast, but there is this term called covering. It comes from the workplace, and it means when someone hides how they truly think or feel about something or something about themselves in an effort to be accepted, to belong. It seems innocent on the surface, but over time, it causes all kinds of issues. A lack of confidence. It is very alienating because you're pretending something that's not true. And it can cause long-term repercussions uh, in the workplace for the individual who's covering and even for those who they're covering too. I want to take that term outside of work. And we all do something like this every day. In the workplace, when it really happens, what's really meant is it's usually a minority group, a minority opinion. It's not the same thing as when we say, you know, how are you doing today? And maybe you're a touch under the weather, but you say great because that's what we say. Uh, or we say it's okay when it's not. That's not really covering. When someone who's unemployed is covering, they are not letting you know or anybody know how difficult things are, what's really going on, and the things they are experiencing over an extended period of time. People out of work, we pretend everything is great. We might pretend that we have some leads. We might pretend that everything's okay financially, emotionally, and we're covering. And we're doing that because we're afraid if we're truthful and honest, you will not want to be our friend anymore. You will avoid us. And what we crave is acceptance and reassurance. And I think it's important to be aware that this happens. I think we know about it. Take what you think you know about it and then magnify it about a hundred times. And that's really what your friend out of work is feeling. This is why your support, your nurturing is really necessary. And it can come in various ways. Again, I think the best thing to do is to have that crucial conversation I didn't have with my friend where we talk, where you talk about, I don't know how to help you, but I want to help you and understand that the person out of work, this is new territory. I still think I have to cover. So I might say, you know, hey, great, thanks. But really everything is fine. Probably isn't. So you do have to be a bit proactive when you are the supporter of someone who's unemployed. And this can come in multiple ways. I, I think I, what I always tell people is do, don't ask. Because we are trained to say we are okay. We are trained to be self-sufficient. And not to be self-sufficient, it makes us feel bad because we've lost that job that gave us that confidence. We don't want to be a burden. So take the initiative. It can be little things like making me go on a walk with you. I have a friend, bless her heart. She still asks me all the time to go on walks with her. I think I say no every time. And she's still doing it two years strong. She is still asking me. And the truth is, 
I just really don't like doing that. <laughs> I told her, I think it's her way of making sure, you know, I get out of the house, I interact with people. I so adore her for that. And her, her obvious support and gosh, she's got persistence. Other things, you know, invite us out, invite us over for dinner because money's an issue. You don't have an income coming in. Again, I always say it. 70% of all Americans live paycheck to paycheck. When that paycheck goes, considering the majority of Americans do not have a cushion of $400 in savings, doesn't take a genius to do that math. Give us some generosity. Little tiny things. When you're out of work, you feel like you can't indulge or have a treat. You kind of feel guilty going to the movies. Uh, I felt guilty having Netflix. One thing that people did for me that I, I just adored, they, two different friends on two separate occasions, sent me flowers for no reason. And I, I, you can tell, I still get a little choked up when I talk about it because it was just joyful and frivolous. And every time I walked past the flowers on the table, I felt good they both knew it was something I used to do for myself. It made me feel good that I, I could have that indulgence and they gave me back a little bit of my old life and it just made me feel good. One friend, I mentioned again, finances when you're out of work and that's a very touchy topic to talk about. If you think talking out of about being out of work is difficult, talking about money is even more difficult. If you put them both together, you've got one of the most difficult conversations you can have. I had a friend show up one day and just hand me a check and not a tiny check. And I remember saying like, what is this? I did not ask you for this. And she said, I know how long you've been out of work. I've been out of work before. I know how much rent and everything else is. And I know you probably need help. So here. I, it was just one of the most generous things anyone has ever done for me. And moments of kindness like that are so essential when you're not working. And if you have somebody that you love, maybe I get you can't give the big check. Do whatever you can. I had another friend. Gift cards are great. I had a friend who, out of the blue, just gave me a gas gift card. And she said, you know, if you don't need it now, this is so that you can get to that new job when you get it. I want to make sure you're prepared. That has since become my calling card. If I work with you, if I know you and you go back to work, you get a, you get a gift card of for gas for me. Trust me, this past month, that has been very appreciated by a couple of people uh, with gas at oh, almost $4 a gallon now. So it's those little tiny things, those, those perks, those joys, those pleasures. That's one of the best things you can do for someone out of work. If you can help someone on a larger scale, don't wait for them to ask. Just offer it. And even if they say no, push a little bit and just tell them, you'll pay me back when you can. You'll pay it forward when you can. It'll make just such a big difference. You'll feel good. Everybody will feel good. And it'll start that really important conversation you need to have. The one other thing I want to add is if you know somebody who is out of work, 
and either you've been supportive to them or you find that you can no longer be supportive because something with your family, something with you, make it safe to have that important conversation. I think that's one of the best things you can do. Not a, not a, a place of judgment, of accusation. Don't offer advice. Just listen. It makes a world of difference when you open a conversation for somebody and you leave the door open. And I've had people do this for me. It is one of the cornerstones of my coaching. People come to me to coach them because they need that safe space to talk. And I provide it for them. And that's why I started this podcast. Even if you listen, it at least lets you know you're not the only one. And there you have it. That's what you can do for your friend who is out of work. Be there for them. Be honest with them. Once in a while, the treat, the camaraderie. You don't have to put yourself out. It's whatever works within your budget, your life, how you would normally interact with this person. But above all, you provide that safety and security that only comes with the people we choose to bring into our lives. And as a friend, that is you. And it's a privilege. On behalf of the person in your life who's out of work, I just want to say thank you. I've maybe, if not added a bright spot to your week with this podcast, I've at least shed a little light on what you need to do to build that support group if you are the person out of work. And if you're listening to this podcast because you know someone out of work, try to get them to listen. But at least now you have a little window into what that person might be going through and ways you can help them. And I wish you both the best. I hope that this is a short period of time. I don't know if I can make it any shorter, but I hope by this podcast that I've made it a little easier. So thank you. And there you have it for today. I hope you learned something or heard something today that is helping you as you are in your out of work journey and that will help you normalize the conversation about being out of work. If you heard something that resonated with you, please show us support, subscribe, like, or comment on something. If you'd like to learn more information, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn, Sabina Sula. I'm the only one. You can also reach out to me on my website, reworkingworks.com. You can also email me at ssulat at reworking.com. I'd love to hear from you. If you want to know about private coaching, more about the book, more about the podcast, I wish you luck in your getting back to work journey. I hope that you've learned something here that if it hasn't made that journey a little shorter, it's at least made it a little easier. Until next time, thanks for joining.